Well, good morning. We are glad that you are here this morning. Do you ever have one of those events in your week that just sort of puts it on the side and you, one of those things you just sort of remember for a while? Uh, this past week was mine. Actually, it was yesterday. I haven't told my family this yet. Um, mine was yesterday, and I was talking to some folks. Uh, many of you may know um, I, I spend part of my time working at Chick-fil-A. And so I was talking to some folks uh, that were there, and um, I noticed uh, a couple sit down at a table next to where we were, and uh, the table hadn't been cleaned yet, but they sat down anyway, and that sort of made me a little unnerved. So I got up to clean the table. I wiped the table down, and the woman at the table says, you know, I was looking at you sitting there. Do you know that you look like, has anybody ever told you you look like the My Pillow guy? <laughs> and honestly, I had to say, why, yes, I have. <laughs> Never by a complete stranger. <laughs> and so now that's going to haunt you all service long. We are so glad that you are here, and that is a true, actual happening. So, But we want to begin our service this morning with a time of prayer, so let's do that, please. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we have life and breath and movement. Father, I pray that we would use this time these next few moments, even now, to confess our sin because you are faithful and just and faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take a few minutes just right now and, and ask for forgiveness. Father, we do this not just because we're going to observe the Lord's table this morning, but because we wish to commune with the almighty, sovereign God of the universe. So we gather as your children in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and wish to give you the praise and the honor from our lips, our hearts, and our minds this morning. May we lift up and confess your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's stand together, please, as we begin. <laughs>
Before Miss Judy comes, take a moment and welcome one another here this morning.
Good morning, church. What a beautiful Palm Sunday to celebrate our Raisin King. Amen? Amen. Great to be with you this morning. If this is your first time visiting or you've been attending a while, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you. We have set up a couple ways for you to do that. You can go out into the atrium to the welcome desk. There will be somewhere there to, to answer any questions you might have and welcome you. Also, we have a digital platform set up. You can text the word CONNECT, and that will take you to the phone number 904-441-6900. In that phone number, you will see it on your phone. It will come down. Make sure you click on the left-hand side so that it will take you to the CONNECT card. And what that will do is that will give you the opportunity to fill that form out. And if you scroll down at the bottom of it, you'll see prayer requests. And those prayer requests are for you to fill out. We'd love to come alongside of you, even during the week, to pray with you. Also, you can text the word NEWS, and that will give you a digital bulletin like this one. Uh, exactly the same thing to give you all the information of the goings on the church for the week. And so you can text that word NEWS to the phone number 904-441-6900, and that will take you there as well. And don't forget to click on the little side. You'll see the little click bar. Click on that, and that will take you right there as well. Just a couple things I want to go over with you this morning, the life of the church this week. This is Holy Week. So we're going to start out on Wednesday night. If you're not volunteering somewhere or plugged in in a ministry, uh, the, we have a life house. We'll have a worship time here at 6 p.m. I encourage you to come and join in and be a part of that. Also, going into Holy Week, we'll have Good Friday at noon right here in the sanctuary. We have a time of meditation. And you will be handed a little brochure that will have printed out of scripture for you to come in and sit down and just have, be in the presence of the Lord and just spend time with him. If you haven't done that, oh my gosh, it just helps to bring in from the Holy Saturday into what we call Easter. We will be having all the same services. We'll have 8 o'clock here, the sanctuary, and 1030. And we will also have in the uh, life uh, uh, sorry, Christian Life Center, the CLC, 9 o'clock and 10.30, contemporary services. And you say, okay, where am I going to park? Well, if you get here early, you park wherever you always do. If for some reason you need to park somewhere else, we're going to have a shuttle running from the amphitheater. They have been so graciously to give the parking spaces for all of us. I call it concierge service, kind of like valet parking. I encourage you, if you want to be valet parked, picked up at the amphitheater, taken right here to the front door, what a great way to do it. It'll be running from 7 a.m. to noon on Sunday. So I encourage you to be here and spend time with us this Easter. Thank you. Well, Judy does such a terrific job. She's a hard act to follow, I'll tell you that. Um, <clears throat> so I get to do the generosity moment. So to start that, I'm going to tell you where you can generously give your funds. We have uh, the, the same number that she gave, 904-441-6900. You can text GIVE to that number. It'll give you a link, and you click that, and you'll go to our GIVE page, and it'll give you a uh, drop-down menu. You can choose where you'd like to give. We have um, Annie Armstrong. We have uh, 4G, and we have Missions, Acts 1-8, and we also have uh, General Budget. So you can check that out online. You can also get to that same place by going to our website, anastasiachurch.org where you have a bulletin. Um, 
there is a QR code in your bulletin. You can actually scan that and give that way. Normally, I would tell you all the wonderful things we're doing with the funds you're giving, but today we're going to do a little, something a little bit different. Yesterday was uh, April Fool's Day. That also makes it Walter's 25th anniversary as a pastor at Anastasia Baptist Church. We are so thankful for Walter, and he has been very generous to us. <clears throat> so we're going to be, do a few things to thank Walter for, for being our senior pastor. Uh, one of those is all of the 4G giving that comes in this week and next weekend is all going to go to a legacy offering for Walter towards the, towards the capital campaign. And also, we're going to allow you to participate individually. We have these cards in the atrium at the first table when you go out. It says, Thanks, Chocolat, for all you do. We appreciate you so much. And we would like you to fill out a little uh, something for Walter on the back. And then we're going to start bringing them in, not next week, but the following week after Easter. Um, and if you would like to attach some chocolate to your card, <coughs> we, have a, you know, we like to have goals around here. So our goal is for every, um, <coughs> for every year that Walter has served, we'd just like to have 10 pounds of chocolate. So, you know. <laughs> We would, we would have 250 pounds of chocolate if that really happened, and we would find out something really special to do with that, besides let Walter eat all of it. So let us pray. Father God, we just we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. Father, we, we thank you for Walter and the, the 25 years he has generously given us. Father, we, <clears throat> we thank you for the the time that he has given over and above what he has given to us, he's served for so long, Father, and we're just so thankful for him and his wisdom. Father, we ask that as we take up this offering that you would bless it for the ministry of, of your church, Father. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
our attention to our Lord's Supper. Let's sing together. Just be careful at verse 3 that we're all together on that. Follow me there. When I say Today, we're going to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross. This is Holy Week. This is Passion Week. This is the week when we remember those events uh, leading up to the crucifixion. And the crucifixion as an event is underscored, is, is made important by who was crucified. 
It was God the Son who was crucified. It was Jesus Christ who paid for our sins. And so we're remembering that Jesus Christ with his body gave himself for us and with his blood he paid the restitution payment for all the sins of every person uh, that's ever lived and every person that will ever live. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've given your life to him, you trust him as your savior, and you know who he is in your life, we invite you to participate with us. This is not just for people. It doesn't matter what affiliation or denomination. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to join us. And as you pass, as you receive the elements, uh, there'll be two cups, one on top of the other, just so you know. If you lift up the top cup with the juice, the bottom cup has the bread in it, okay? I know some of you are looking at that. This is the first time we've passed the cup since the beginning of pandemic. Praise the Lord, right? But if you'll, we'll, we'll pass these out. And uh, if you'll just take just two cups stacked on top of each other and then hold them and then we'll partake together. Let's prepare our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for giving us this time to remember your sacrifice, Lord. Lord, when you died on the cross, you paid that restitution payment for every sin throughout all history in all the universe, Lord. I can't imagine the weight. Thank you for loving us so much. Greater love could, there could not possibly be. And Lord, as we partake of these elements, Lord, help us to remind us of the sins that we have, that we might confess them to you, but also that we could depend on you more dearly. And Lord, uh, we worship you. We give you praise. We give you gratitude. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you loved us enough to come down and take on human flesh. Lord, the incarnation, 33 years of, of connecting with us, Lord, of identifying with us. Lord, and I thank you that it's by your stripes we are healed. And Lord, I pray that as we remember your sacrifice and the sacrifice of your body, that you would inspire us to be living sacrifices every day for your glory. So in gratitude we take this in your precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. <coughs> Continuing on in Matthew 26. The word of God says this, and he took a cup. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it. And you with you in my father's kingdom. Lord Jesus. It's your sacrifice on the cross, your blood that paid that atoning payment for all our sins. Lord, there's nothing that we can do that would earn our way into your presence, Lord, and help us to depend on you. Help us to trust in you. Lord, help us to, to respond with the love you gave us. And Lord, help us to truly repent because we know, Lord, that the sacrifice gave us salvation freely, but the cost was great. And Lord, we remember you, we remember the sacrifice, and we dedicate ourselves again to you for your service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Let's partake. And on occasions like this, we remind ourselves also that on that night Jesus was betrayed. He also taught us this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. God bless you. I'm going to ask David Wilson to come up on this, join me on the stage here. David, would you please? I'm so grateful you're willing to come up here. Would you go to the pulpit here and tell people where you're leaving for in just a day or two? Uh, well, on Thursday um, at 4 a.m., leave for the airport, and then I'm going to Bolivia <clears throat> on a river cruise. We're going up the jungle to the Indians that are inaccessible by road, and uh, we're going to stop tribe by tribe, night by night, show the Jesus film, and preach the gospel with a sketchboard and the black light, and invite them to trust the Lord. And um, I was just thinking then that Jesus died for all of them, and they can have total forgiveness and a place in heaven if they hear the gospel and repent and believe. So I do appreciate you all if you'd pray. Jesus prayed for his disciples that they'd be kept from the evil one. And I know that 
evil one is waiting, like he is on every trip, mission trip, to stop you, but God always leads us in victory if people pray. So please pray. We'll be praying. When will you be coming back? Um, I'll be back. Um, can't remember. <laughs> you'll be back. You'll be back sometime. In, in Lord's time, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Let's let, let's pray for you. And you might want to extend your arm out and showing showing that you're praying for him. David is a missionary here. He's been a, a career missionary. All and while he's not on the field, when he's not, he's here. This is his home church, and we lift you up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for for David. Lord, I thank you for worldwide proclamation ministry. Lord, I thank you for their missions all over the world. And Lord, I lift up David as he goes to Bolivia. Lord, I pray you give him traveling mercies. Lord, I pray you give him strength as he shares the gospel. Lord, the good news that you save people, that you save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that you protect him. And Lord, I pray that you're already preparing the hearts, that there are going to be hearts of men and women and children there who are already searching and when they hear the gospel, Lord, the light will turn on. Lord, the light in their hearts. And Lord, I pray thee bring my brother back safely with us. And Lord, uh, just watch over him. Do your work and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, sure. God bless you. <clears throat> I love David dearly. I've seen firsthand what he does and, uh, uh, on trip to India and the India partnership that we have and the daughter church that we have there and uh, really grateful for the ministry uh, that you are doing. And we will be praying for you as you come back. And that, you know, if any of you want to, uh, if, whenever you give to Acts 1-8 Missions Fund, that's the fund that we use to help support David Wilson in the ministry through the church. But also you could always talk to him if, if you wanted to help support that ministry uh, on your own as well. Well, um, Resurrection Sunday's next week. Are you excited? Yes. Yeah, excited. Yeah, we want you to fill up all these empty pews here, the ones that don't, aren't full and packed. We want you to fill them up. And, um, and you say there's not enough parking. You bring them to church in your car. <laughs> there, are, um, there are invite cards. And uh, I do want to say you can help us out if you park at the amphitheater. Just go there and take the shuttle. That would be easy for people. You could come to the 8 o'clock service. Did you know that God even is moving at 8 o'clock in the morning? And uh, there's an 8 o'clock service here in this room. You could come there. Uh, also, if you want to park here on the property, if you would consider, if you would consider parking in the back parking lot first, and here's why. We're going to have a lot of people here that don't normally go to church. And every little excuse for them not to come into church will be, will be big in their minds. And we want to make sure that people can find a parking place when they get here. And if you can do that, those of you that know the way into the building and can trust us, if you would do that, you might be making a difference in someone's life for all eternity. So I just want to put that out to you. No guilt trip. <laughs> no guilt trip. Anyway. Hey, uh, we're going to turn back a few chapters. And while I say uh, I'm grateful to be here 25 years. I thank you, Pastor Ron, for bringing me here 25 years ago. It's been a good... A good uh, it's been a good journey. Uh, we're moving back a few chapters to John chapter 12.
We've been going on our, on our uh, journey through the teachings of Jesus in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and, and also 17, that prayer, and looking at what Jesus said before he's crucified. But I want to move back to John 12, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This Palm Sunday marks the day that Jesus Christ went into Jerusalem in a way that fulfilled Scripture, in a way that, that revealed him as the long-expected Messiah and the Anointed One and the Savior. And I want us to look at that passage, John chapter 12, starting at verse 12. And I'm going to read eight verses, 12 through 19. And I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Would you do that, please? The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb raised and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they'd heard he'd done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time we can open up your word. And, and Lord, I pray that the world would continue to go after you. Lord, I pray that people that don't recognize your power would see your power and go after you. Lord, I, I pray that people that are searching and, and looking for answers in this life, Lord, that they would go after you. And Lord, I pray that we would go after you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about what we can expect in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to start with verse 12. He says, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. This is setting the stage for that triumphant entry. And you might say, what is the next day? What happened that day before? What is this the day after? Well, the day before the triumphant entry, Jesus was at a dinner at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You see, he had raised Lazarus to the from the dead, and then Martha made a dinner. That's what the Bible said, Martha made a dinner. Because if you know about Mary and Martha, that's what Martha does. She just serves. She makes the dinner. She cooks the food and all, does all that. So it says that Martha served the dinner. It doesn't say Mary and Martha did. It says Martha served the dinner. She was using her unique love language to share her love with Jesus Christ. You know what Mary did? It says at that dinner that Mary took some expensive perfume and opened it up and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And she was sharing her love of Jesus in her unique love language. She was, she was, they were both sharing the love of Jesus in the way they like to show love. Well, this is the next day after that. And it says the large crowd had come because they'd heard Jesus was coming. They'd heard that Lazarus had been raised from the dead and there was expectation in the air. And the first thing I want you to write down on the sermon notes, if you're following along on the inside cover of your bulletin, first thing I want you to write down is this. Following Jesus is a life of expectation. My desire is that followers of Jesus everywhere 
would have that same sort of intense electric excitement of being a follower of Jesus. I'm so grateful I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful he is my savior. He is my king. Can I get an amen? Amen. Are we excited that we can serve Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? You know, that we'd be a people of expectation because anticipation is a driving force. It's a powerful driving force. It's like Christmas Eve as a kid. You remember when you were a kid and it's Christmas Eve? I remember it's Christmas Eve. I couldn't wait for Christmas to come. And on Christmas Eve, I would try to go to bed early so the next morning would come sooner. And I would, did anybody else do that? I'd try to go to bed. I'd get in bed and I couldn't go to sleep because I was so excited about what was going to happen on Christmas. I was looking forward to the presents. You know, that, that kind of excitement, that's what it means being a follower of Jesus. That kind of excitement was there. However, you realize that in a week, in less than a week, on that, on that Friday, the mob moved from expectation about what Jesus could do to complete and absolute rejection because you see what Jesus brought into town was didn't match what was in their minds there is a mismatching of expectation they they were looking for a military leader to overthrow the Roman oppressors and there's a parallel regularly I, I interact with people who are expecting the wrong things from Jesus and he doesn't match what they're wanting. And, and there are people that are looking for Jesus to fill their bank accounts, and to help them drive fancy cars, and to end all the wars and feed all the hungry people. People that demand Jesus because Jesus tells us that we love each other. They demand that Jesus accept and endorse lifestyle choices that he clearly and explicitly declares as sin. I see people expecting Jesus to meet earthly needs and Fulfill promises that he never said he'd fulfill. And because of that, when Jesus doesn't meet our own pointed needs and, and uh, doesn't meet us at our own particular way and in our own precise time frame, then I see people moving from following Jesus to rejecting Jesus. We do the same thing that happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. I see it on a, on a big scale in our culture, people rapidly moving from following Jesus to rejecting Jesus. And why? I think part of it is expectations. Part of it is, is, is maybe we're not sharing what we should expect from life in Christ. What do you believe Christ should be bringing to your life? What do you expect about your life in Christ? That's what I want to talk about several things. That's what I want to talk about today. And I, I think we should expect several things. Uh, verse 13, I'm going to, jump in and out of verse 13 several times. It says they called him the king of Israel. It says they took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now, they were expecting a king, someone to follow. Well, when you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, here's what you can expect. Here's what I can expect. I can expect my king. He's my king. And you know what a king is? King is someone that I follow. A king is someone that I serve. I'm expecting my king. You know, in about a month, England is going to have a coronation. And in that coronation, they're going to crown King Charles III as the king of England. Well, he's already been the king of England. He's been the king of England since the last monarch died, Queen Elizabeth, when she died. He became the king and started serving as the king. But now they're going to officially recognize him as king. But he's already king. 
You know, um, there's a parallel here. You see, Jesus, he's already king of kings. He's already Lord of lords, right? He's already, he's, he's already the ruler of the universe. He's already the ruler of that which is seen and that is unseen, okay? He's already king. But some people haven't crowned him yet. There needs to be a coronation in our hearts. Have you crowned him as king? Have you publicly declared him? He is your king. You know, that's why for our, our type of church, we're Baptist church. That's why baptism is taught the way we do baptism. You know, we, we teach what we call believer's baptism. That means that, that we think that you trust in Jesus and that baptism is a declaration that you're crowning Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not, it's not what saves you. Baptism doesn't save anybody. That's, that's getting wet. But what it is, it's a coronation and you're saying, uh, you're telling the world, Jesus Christ is my king, okay? He's not my president. He doesn't just serve for four years or four more years after. He's my king all the time. That's why we teach, uh, we have Bible studies for, for not just children, but, but youth and adults because we think that lifelong discipleship and lifelong learning uh, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and lordship of Jesus Christ is so important because, you know, once you've crowned him as king, you want to give every avenue of your life over to him. What are those areas that that you haven't given to him, that you need to crown him king as. But expect a king. Expect a king. Are you recognizing Jesus Christ as king? What do you do? What do you do to serve him as king? There's a big difference between a king and a servant. Sometimes we treat Jesus as a servant. He's not the servant. He's the king. He's already the king. Uh, something else, I'd like to move on to verses 14 and 15. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is a fulfillment of scripture that he would come down. Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 9, said, said that the, the Messiah is going to come into Jerusalem. He's going to have a donkey, and he's going to get on that donkey, and he's going to uh, enter into, down the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem. And so this is a fulfillment of scripture. This is the long-awaited Messiah who's coming. He's entering Jerusalem. The king is here, and because the king is going to be here, everything is going to be all right. That's what people are thinking. And the expectation is that when the king is here, he's going to set up a kingdom and everything will be all right. All the Romans will go away. Well, I tell you what, expectation for Jesus coming as king is not just something for the past. It's something for our future. Can I tell you a secret? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming as king. And he's going to set up his kingdom, and his kingdom will be a perfect kingdom, okay? So here's what you can expect when you follow Jesus. You can expect his perfect kingdom. You can expect that kingdom to come. He will rule over heaven and earth. He'll rule forever and ever. And the Bible says that there will be no more crying, no more dying, no more pain. I don't know when that will be. I don't know when. I don't know when. I know when, where he's coming back. Because Zechariah, the one who said he's coming down the Mount of Olives, uh, I mean, Zechariah said he's coming down the donkey. He said he's coming back on, uh, on the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah 14, he says, On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies be before Jerusalem on the east. 
And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mountain shall move northward and what, the other half southward. And you know, uh, so right there on that Mount of Olives, right where he was coming down the first time. Now, John doesn't tell us that he came down the Mount of Olives. But if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell us that Jesus made that triumphant entry into Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And what that means is that the place where Jesus made his first triumphant entry is the same place where Jesus will make his next. Right there. I, I had the privilege of visiting the Holy Land. Uh, I had a picture of the Holy Land. I don't know if you can see it real well because it was in the dusk, in the dawn, early dawn. Can you show that picture, please? Um, there we go. That's the Mount of Olives looking at it toward the east, and the rising sun is coming up behind it. But that's the Mount of Olives, and the Bible says Jesus is going to be there, and that mountain is going to split, and Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. I'm expecting that kingdom. I'm looking forward to that kingdom. So when you trust in Jesus, expect that he will set up his rule. It'll be a perfect place. Amen? It'll be a great place. Here's something else I can expect. In verse 13, it says, they took the branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, and they started crying, Hosanna. They're crying, Hosanna. Now, that's a statement of praise. It's especially one that they would use for the person they were expecting as the Messiah. It comes out of Psalm 118, and it literally means save us now. It's two Hebrew words put together, Hoshea, 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 which means save us, Lord, and then the word na, which means now. Say Hoshea. Hoshia, that means save us, Lord, and say nah. nah. That means now. So Hoshia nah. Say Hoshia nah. Hoshia nah. Hoshia nah. Hoshia nah. Hoshia nah. Save us, Lord, now. And here's what happened. Between the time when King David wrote it, and it was kind of like a Hebrew SOS, save our souls. Okay. Um, and the time of Jesus, it became, it moved from a prayer into this shout of salvation, knowing that salvation is there. They were expecting salvation. Can I share with you? I expect salvation when I trust in Jesus Christ. I expect that my sins are forgiven. I know that. The Bible says that my sins are forgiven. So, so I am saved from my sins. So you can expect salvation. So write that down. Expect my salvation. That's why Jesus came. We are saved. The Bible says uh, that that's why Jesus came. Uh, do you remember when Joseph was told by the angel that Mary was going to have a child and it sort of freaked him out? And uh, in that vision, the angel said, this baby will save his people from their sins. Salvation is what Jesus came for, that, that forgiveness. Uh, we all need salvation. Um, salvation is like a life ring. And I think I saw the choir people put it back here. There we go. Thank you very much. <laughs> salvation is like a life ring. You know, when, when, when someone is in the water and they can't get out, they can't make it to dry land, they can't get into safety. What happens is you throw them the life ring, and what are they supposed to do? Supposed to hold on to it, right? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that we are sinners and we're drowning in an ocean of sin, and there's no way we can ever get out of it. And straight from heaven, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they made it so that Jesus came into this world. 
And Jesus is our life ring. And when I have Jesus as my life ring, and someone throws me that life ring and tells me that salvation is in the hand of Jesus, and I'm going to be drowning in my sin unless I take on, take on, holding on to Jesus. What do I want to do with that life ring? I want to hold on to it. I'm with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, Jesus saves us. He saves us from everything that keeps us out of heaven. I mean, think about what keeps us out of heaven. Everything that makes us imperfect, okay? If you are a perfect person, you get to go to heaven on your own. But there's no perfect people in here, okay? Every thought, every feeling of resentment, every action you do, every, every thought, everything you say just in the spur of the moment that you shouldn't have said, that's a sin. And just one gets you out of heaven. But you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for every single sin, for every person throughout all universe, through all history. And we don't have to pay for it anymore. He did all the payment for it. And all we have to do is when he offers that forgiveness is we need to hold on to it with everything we got. You can expect salvation, but you got to hold on to Jesus for that salvation. He saves us from weakness, from hopelessness, from loneliness, from anger, from sinfulness, from despair, from sorrow. He, he saves us from all of that. Everything that separates us from God. And so because I know I have salvation in his name, because I know that when I was 10 years old, I trusted in him, I can shout out with victory, Hoshana, because he saved me. He has saved me. So you can expect salvation when you trust in Jesus. That means you can expect that you'll go to heaven and not have to pay the penalty for your sins. It also says in verse 13 that they didn't just cry out Hosanna. They cried out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when someone comes in someone else's name, that means that they're on a mission. Jesus came. He was on a mission, okay? He was completing his divine mission. His mission was to save humanity, to save people from the things that keep them out of heaven. And so that's what he was called to do. And so his sacrifice on the cross is what was accomplishing that. And so he was achieving his earthly mission of offering salvation. We see all believers, we have the same mission to offer salvation. And the point is, when you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, you can expect a purpose. I expect my purpose. That's the next thing to write down. Expect a purpose in life. What is your purpose? The purpose of this church, our mission statement, helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. Helping people to hold on to Jesus. Now, that's the purpose of every single Christian. Other churches may say it differently, but basically that's what it is. Our purpose is helping people hold on, find and hold on to the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers through our life in him. That's, that's the purpose that we have. That's the purpose for every Christian. When I see someone drowning and I have a life ring, do I have a responsibility? I do. What is my responsibility? I need to throw the ring, right? If I see someone who's dying in their sins and they're not going to go to heaven and they're going to be eternally separated from Christ and I have the one thing that can save them, do I have a responsibility? Yes, I do. I do. I, I need to throw the ring. I need to tell them about Jesus. Now, now some of you say, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, um, when I go on a, on a boat ride, I don't have a boat, but I've gone on boat rides, and the captain of the boat, when you're paying your fare, they give you this little safety talk at the very beginning of it. In that safety talk, they say, hey, 
in the safety talk, say, here's where the life jackets are and here's where the life rings are. And, and you know, if something were to happen, I guess I would trust the captain to go and run and make sure things are, 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 are going to be right and he's going to throw the life ring because he's the captain. I might think that. Um, and, you know, there are people that when someone needs to be saved, they say, Pastor, I need you to go and throw the life ring. And they think of me as the captain of the boat because they say, well, you own the life ring. Let me tell you, we all own the life ring. Right. You got to own own your salvation and be willing to save it. Now, some people don't, don't, want, to, don't want to throw it because they're afraid they might not do it exactly right and they have some life ring hesitation and they're not going to share Jesus Christ because they say, I don't know if I'm going to do it right. If someone is drowning, don't worry if you're going to throw it this way or that way or overhand or on it. Just throw the ring. <laughs> Just tell them that Jesus Christ saves. Are you going to do something wrong? Probably. But people come to faith not by what you do, but by what he does. And so you say, well, I don't know the right things to say. Well, just learn the scripture. And is your tongue going to get tight? Absolutely it will from time to time. And are people going to be hostile? Yeah, there will be some hostile people from time to time. But I tell you what, when, when you have something that will save someone's life and you're holding on to that ring and they're drowning, throw the ring. You see someone that doesn't know Jesus, can you just... Tell them you're praying for them in the name of Jesus. Can you open that door? Just, just take a little risk and throw the ring. And you won't fail. Because the failure is not whether someone uh, accepts Christ. The failure is never sharing it. So, um, Verses 17 and 18. It says, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead and continued to bear witness. These people that had gathered, they were expecting, I mean, they, they, some of these people saw Lazarus being raised from the dead and he'd been in the tomb so long that he started to smell bad, okay? Others, others saw, some people saw that and others heard about it. They were expecting great things and here's what I can expect in the name of Jesus. I can expect great things, not because of who we are. I'm expecting great things Easter, not because of what this church is, but because of who Jesus Christ is. Because the power of Jesus is great. It's greater than that which keeps you out of heaven. It's greater than death. I believe in the resurrection. Do you believe in resurrection? Amen. Anastasia in Greek means resurrection. I believe in resurrection. I believe that God has power over the dead. And I believe that he can make a real difference in your outlook and in your hope. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray this is a Hoshana moment. A moment where you're telling Jesus, asking Jesus to save you. And if there's areas of your life that you need to give to him, you're going to be given a palm frond as you leave this place. Take that palm frond. And when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and King in a practical way, you give that to him. Hold on to it until that point. And let this day be a Hoshana day for you too. And expect God to take what you give him and do great things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word and the power in your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that if there's someone here that needs to trust in you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that this is the moment that you're opening up the eyes of their heart. Lord Jesus, if this is a day that someone needs to dedicate a part of their life closer to you, Lord, that they're making that dedication right now. 
And Lord, do great things. Do great things. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 We're coming to a time of response, and I invite you to stand right now. If God's calling you to make a public response and some people come forward, they want to join the church, present themselves through baptism, or they want to trust in Jesus as Lord and want to know how to take those next steps, you can come forward now. If God's calling you, you come. Sing together. Just as I Broken, ready? Father, we're thankful in your word that it says that you have been merciful unto us and that you bless us. 
and that you cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon the earth and your saving health among all nations. Father, help us to be a healing balm as we go out from this place now and this week. Father, may you get the praise of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.